Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another installment of the Ty Digger Show. Today, we'll talk about the hurricane that landed in Miami this past weekend, men being in women's business, and I go about my top five Christmas songs. Strap up, everybody. It's time for the Ty Digger Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. December the 16th, 2020. We are nine days away before the jolly guy becomes flying across the sky, dropping off gifts for good boys and girls and things of that nature. Um, episode 48. Uh, we're almost to episode 50. Um, it's been an amazing ride so far. Um, I've been thinking about changing the show a little bit, maybe changing the format, maybe possibly just keeping it to one subject instead of just the jumbleness of a of a regular week, you know, I'm trying to, I don't know, when you start a podcast, you, you try to think about what you're going to talk about. And for the most part, for me, um, I'd like to talk about a lot of subjects. So that's why it's the show has been what it is. And I've, sometimes I feel like I see something that comes up. I should, I should talk about this. I should uh, speak on it. So that's why the show it is now, but you always think about maybe you can change it up a little bit or streamline it, whatever. But anyway, I um, want to talk about the natural disaster that happened in um, Coral Gables uh, this past weekend. Um, University of North Carolina made a trip to Miami, Florida to face the Hurricanes in a top 20 matchup and with the Orange Bowl on the line. And... They were facing the U, the U with a lot of football history, a lot of NFL caliber players and all that athletes. And they recruit in Florida and they have some of the best football players, the toughest, the meanest, the scariest. And the U with an orange bow berth on the line showed up in black jerseys. Oh, they look scary. But. For some reason, I don't think the message got to North Carolina. Um, the Tar Heels would, would hang 778 
yards of total offense, 544 of it rushing, excuse me, 550 of it rushing, 544 yards rushing between two backs, Javante Williams, um, excuse me, Michael Carter, who had 308, and Javante Williams, who rushed for over uh, almost 250 himself. Um, 244 yards, I believe. Um, 244, 246. It was a lot. And if you watch the game, and Hurricane fans, I know you watch the game. Man, some of those holes they were running through, man, those dudes were running through open fields of yards. Like, it was almost like they were running by themselves. Like, if you play NCAA football and you put the game on easy, you're still not going to get those type of runs. Like, that's how wide, that's how easy it looked. Like, I feel like I could have got back there and rushed for 150 yards behind that line and the way some of those holes opened up. Um, somebody asked me, what did it actually mean, though? Well, first off, it means UNC is on the inside berth of an Orange Bowl bid in year two of Mac Brown's second go around. And Mac said he came back to uh, complete the mission that he started and was winning national championship in North Carolina. And getting to a New Year's Six Bowl game sets you up nicely for the upcoming season because it keeps you in the top 15, top 10 if you win. It puts you in a top 10 situation where you can start off the year top 10 and all you need now is a few schools to lose as you move up to potentially get into a playoff situation which leads to national titles. Um, it also sends out a loud warning shot to the rest of the ACC, especially the Atlantic Coast Conference Coastal Division, that North Carolina is about to come become the Clemson of that, of that division. And... It also sets UNC in a situation where they can now start thinking, not doing, I don't think UNC is there yet, thinking about challenging Clemson for supremacy in that in that conference. So some real interesting stuff um, brewing up for the for the Tar Heels. But again, I want to get back to the Hurricane uh, fans who a lot of them haven't contacted me and. They don't speak about the game. And I know, again, I know you watched it. Like, I just want to reach out to make sure you guys are okay, dog. Like, it's it, look, it looked pretty bad from while I was sitting there watching on television. All right, so we're going to move on to that. If you know any Hurricane fans, please give them a hug for me. Um, tell them I wish them well. And see you next year when you come to Chapel Hill. We can do this all over again. <laughs> Anyway, so before we uh, get into commercial break, I just want to make sure everybody's doing okay. And also, baseball season is about to start back up. Um, free agency news: the Mets um, signed a catcher. That's pretty good, I guess. I just, you know, I just want to win. But um, the NBA starts next week. Um, actually, next Tuesday, the twenty second. And I'll be honest with you: this title is the Los Angeles Lakers to lose. Um, they bring back Bron. Um, they get uh, Montrez Harrell. Um, AD and Bron both re-upped, so they're going to be there for a few more years. And they get one of the best six men in the league. Like, I just feel like that team, not even doing a whole big bunch of splash moves, that team just got a lot better. Um. And I don't see anybody in the West being able to beat them over a seven games uh, series um, unless there's injuries or happen. 
one or two things has to happen. Um, injuries have to happen or a team, a young team like Portland, we're not a young team, a team like Portland or um, Denver just goes berserk in that playoff round. Like when I mean berserk, I'm talking about what James Harden did for OKC when they uh, beat the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. Like that has to happen. That type of explosion has to happen. But other than that, and both Denver and Portland got good players, but they're not I wouldn't say that the team or not the type of is not the type of team that can go berserk like that, that you would think will go crazy like that for um over seven games. And it's gonna take seven games to beat these Lakers. Um maybe the Clippers, but they have to show something from me in the toughness uh category. Okay. The uh, the toughness, the team teamwork uh category. I don't think they played well as a team last year. And I think that ended up that eventually caught up with them in the playoffs. So and don't even get me started on what's going on in the East. I I guess the Nets will come out of the East. Um Giannis re up for five years, two hundred and twenty eight million. So Milwaukee is still in contention. Um I like Miami. Um people like the Nets. I actually like the Heat coming out of the East. Uh, next year and yes they did catch fire in the playoffs last year but the work ethic of a guy like jimmy butler like having butler there this makes them a tough out and we have to see what new jersey does as a team they got a not they got a lot of firepower but have we seen it on the court yet do we i need to see that work together can it work together so some interesting storylines as we go into the um, upcoming NBA season. And when we come back, we're going to have a conversation about Snoop Dogg comments about WAP. All that and more on the Ty Digger Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And in this next seg- segment, um, Snoop Dogg made some comments uh, over the last week about uh, Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B's song WAP. Um, I know we've talked about this on the show before. WAP stands for Wet Ass Poo Nanny and um, uh, Wet Ass Pussy. I mean, we're all adults here, right? Um, I'll make sure I put this explicit so at least kids, you, you know what your kids are listening to. Um, it's something explicit, but... Basically, the song took Summer by Storm and I believe it was the number one hit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Snoop was asked about it the other day, and I'll get into just asking him about it um, in a whole nother uh, topic. Well, not in a whole nother topic, but I'll definitely get into that later on in this segment. But and he said something to the fact that, you know, the song was OK. He kind of criticized them and talked about, you know, your body is your asset and a whole lot of respectability politics with it. And, you know, he feels like he doesn't want young ladies feeling that that's okay to throw their body out there because, you know, their body is the most sacred thing in the world. And, you know, all the mumbo jumbo that you um, hear women get told about when 
they're actually singing about sex or talking about sex and from a position of empowerment, um, from a position of they own their sexuality. Like what they're doing is they're doing because they want to do it, not because somebody's forcing them to do it or they feel like they have to do it. But um, he also made a point to talk about that his, you know, it, it comes off as hypocritical because when I first heard of the comments, that's the first thing I thought of. And I'm like, wow, Snoop, Snoop making this um, declaration. You might want to chill on that. But he, he made a point like when he was younger that he probably would have jumped on uh, the remix. You know, he probably would have did the song. He'd probably did a song. He would love the song being younger. And he's right, because when we were all younger, we all listened to music like that. I mean, for crying out loud, two live crew, I mean, Snoop himself, um, put it in your mouth. Uh, just a whole lot of stuff that dealt with sex and men being taught like sex um, by Kooji Rap. Like, that was one of the major songs that... Um, talked about sex and a lot of these songs were extremely disrespectful to women. So he clarified that point. He made that, he made that point, but I think my thing, and we go back to the asking him the question, why are we even asking him the question in the first place? Why is that even a topic for Snoop Dogg out of all, out of all people? Why would that be a topic for any person? Like, especially a man, why we, Accent men opinion about women's music. Um, and as far as answering it, look, it's either uh, I like the song or just simply say it's not my cup of tea. You know, it's I'm older and he has the right to say that because there's a lot of music I hear today. And I say to myself, you know what? I'm not going to diss it, but I'm older. I'm not on that vibe. Maybe if this song would have came out 15, 20 years ago, maybe if it came out when I was in middle school, I could possibly see myself getting on a vibe like that. But now once you get to a certain age, certain music doesn't doesn't jive with you no more. Like you don't always want to hear a drug track, you know. Um, yes, I did listen to drug dealing music, but it wasn't something it wasn't a vibe I was always on. And today's music i'm just simply not on a lot of it like it's just not my vibe the beats the uh flow um and don't get me wrong some of these young brothers and sisters are extremely talented um we go back to meg um people don't like what she's talking about her and cardi b but they're very i think they're very talented they rap pretty well now it might not be the rap that you're listening to but they keep the flow going, you know, Nicki Minaj. I'm just not on that vibe all the time, but she'd be rapping. It is what it is. Uh, Meek Mill, um, I think is a very dope rapper, but I just not a lot of his music. I want to listen to because again, it's not a vibe I'm on. And you can just simply say that without being critical at all. Like, and, and I want to be clear. Like, I don't think he totally dissed them. But again, why does his opinion matter about what they're rapping about? Because clearly they're not rapping for him. Okay. It, and that's another thing when I think about today's music, 
clearly that music is not for me. It's not aimed at me. Okay. So if it's not aimed at me, why am I going into that space? Why do I need to go into that space and and say my and, and say my part? Just say, you know, it's dope, or you ain't gotta say it's dope. Just say it's not my vibe. You know, and if you publicly hate it, well, not publicly, but if you hate it, keep it to yourself. We don't have to tear down uh, other artists. We don't have to tear down each other. Like, you can sit with your boys and say you think it's trash, but on a public forum, you know, let's keep it, let's keep it cool. You feel me? But again, I want to go back. Like, we should not be asking men their opinion about female music. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think they should be empowered to be able to make those comments. So that's just that's, that's how I view it. And, and and furthermore, you know, let the let the women rap about what they want to rap about, man. Hey, because there's brothers out here that's doing exactly what they're rapping about in the music. There's men out there willing to pay for stuff. There's men out there willing to pay for stuff and not get anything in return. There are men like what we call simps there are people out there willing to live that life and if they want to live that life it's true rap it's probably a lot realer than what a lot of other male rappers rap about because i'll be honest with you i just don't see a lot of these brothers doing all that shooting killing and all that like it's all it's, it's all selling the fantasy and for the people that's listening to it if you can't see past that fantasy then maybe there's there's some help needed here if you're talking to a young person who's listening to that, pull them to the side and be like, these entertainers are selling a dream. They're selling entertainment. It sounds great. It's no different than me going to a Marvel movie and watching Mark uh, Ruffio toss cars all the way across the, uh, across the street. I know he can't do that. I know he can't do that in life. I, I know Robert Downey Jr. does not have cool electronics and he doesn't have a tower in the middle of New York city. I, I, I know that I know Tom Holland is not wrecked, was never bitten by a spider and he swings around Queens as Spider-Man. I know this does not happen. So I think we should give um, hip hop a little uh, leeway and not try to make everything so literal. Okay. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, it's Ty Diggers' top five Christmas movies. Be waiting on you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And finally, the moment you've been waiting for, are my Christmas movies. Now, unfortunately, in this list, you would not see Charlie Brown's Christmas, and you're not going to hear anything about that Emmett Otter Christmas thing. I'm a, my wife practically loves that movie, by the way, but it doesn't reach the top five for me. You definitely won't see or hear about the monstrosity that was Luke, um, excuse me, George Lucas' Star Wars Christmas. I, I'll be honest with you. I watched it as a youth and it was terrible. Like Star Wars, I want to see stuff blown up. I want to see Jedi's and Sith throw people around. I, I, I want to see explosion. I want 
I, I want to see shooting and stuff like that. I need to see battles. I, I don't want to see the joy of the holidays in my Star Wars first. Second, why would anybody in the Star Wars universe even know about Christmas? I I know it was some other holiday. I forgot the name of the holiday. Maybe you somebody can hit me up in the messages or anything and tell me, you know, what holiday it was. But it, it was clear money grab by Lucas. Um, just jumping off the popularity of his uh of his movies, which I mean, by the way, it's Star Wars is still doing numbers. Um, Rogue One was great. Uh, the Mandalorian was is amazing. Like, and I'm definitely interested in some of the other stuff that they got uh coming coming down. But yeah, that that was a terrible Christmas movie. It, it it makes me angry every time I think about it. Like, it made me wish the Empire won. That's how bad the movie was. But um, you're also not gonna hear about Die Hard. Um, I know we all love Die Hard. I love Die Hard. I might watch it, but it is not a movie that I have to watch um, during Christmas time. I can watch Die Hard in July. Um, it's just not that movie I would grab if I want to think about Christmas. So without further ado, excuse me, let's get to my top five Christmas movies. Number five. The Year Without Santa Claus. Yes. Um, it was a Rankin-Bass um, stop-motion animated special. Um, it was written by Mari Laws and Jules Bass, of course, in 1974. Um, what makes this movie amazing, even though I can't tell you... I probably can't tell you 10 other things that happened in this movie, but what makes this movie amazing is... The Miser Brothers, um, Heat and Snow Miser. Um, they come out singing their songs and and whatnot. And just to give you a little um, hint of it right now. Just, just play a little bit. Not enough to get me in trouble. I, I hope it doesn't get me in trouble. But yeah, you know, the songs are just uh, by itself. And if you're old enough, you you know what songs I'm talking about. Here he comes now, the big hand. I'm Mr. White Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow. Ah, now you see it. Now you probably uh, recognize it. And his brother, Heat Meissen. So, yeah, those songs by itself just makes it more um, worth than more than worth it to watch the movie. Number four, Eight Crazy Nights by Adam Sandler. He hilarious. Actually has a pretty decent message about redemption and um, things of that nature and just taking care of your fellow man. But getting to that point, oh my God. Like The Technical Foul song is arguably one of the... The Technical Foul song and the song they sung at the end 
when they were honoring Whitey. Oh my God, this it was side splitting, very side splitting, especially the part of the last song when he asked the dude with the hook hand, "Has he ever wiped his butt with the wrong hand?" Like the first time I ever heard that, like almost, almost, almost peed on myself. Like that's how funny it was. Um, number three, Christmas Story. We all had that one. Like Christmas Story spoke to me. It, it, it spe- I believe it speaks to a lot of people for the same reason. Growing up, we all had that one gift that we really wanted. Like, we really wanted so bad. Like, I had two. I got one of them. But I'll talk about the one I actually got. Um, I wanted a Voltron Five Lion set for the longest. Voltron was my favorite show. Like, I used to rush home slam homework in, do homework just to make sure at four o'clock I was in front of that television watching Voltron. Like you used to catch me in school, like doing homework um, at the end of class during free time or uh, doing recess, just making sure that, you know, I did not have to do a lot of that stuff when I got home and I was comfortable in front of my seat watching Voltron. And I, mood heaven and earth just to make sure that I did everything right. I was in bed early. Like I said, my prayers, all that, yo, just to get this Voltron. And I felt like I wasn't going to get it for one reason or the other. And the moment when he woke up and he saw that, that BB gun, well, when he woke up, but like a couple hours later after he got up, his father showed him that he actually got the BB gun. I felt that. Like, you know, the bullying scenes were uh, hilarious when he finally stands up to the bully, um, when his father gets the reward uh, for winning the contest and it's a leg lamp and <laughs> and he ends up getting broke and he, he accuses his wife of being jealous, not of the leg, not of the leg, not because it was a scantily clad leg and fishnets, but she was jealous because he won. And again, and I think that's a lot of things. As you get older, you go from uh, Ralphie's situation, who was the uh, star of the show, who started the movie, whose movie was about. As you get older, you go from being Ralphie to being the dad, where you know all you need is somebody to acknowledge the fact that you won. It's a major award, and they even wrote it in Italian, Fragile. <laughs> A, a, a great movie. And I know some people might not agree with me. I remember when they used to, uh, TBS, the Superstation, used to play that on a loop. Um, you got 24 hours of Christmas stories. So you used to like literally turn on your TV at any time Christmas Day and boom, Christmas stories right there in front of you. So moving up to number two, this might shock a lot of you, but Friday after next, I mean, Money Mike, Ice Cube, uh, Epps, Mike Epps. Uh, uh, Don Curry was in it. Uh, you had your man Pinky in it. Uh, John Witherspoon, uh, rest in peace, man. Like, I don't even know how they're going to be able to even go on if they even tried to go on for Friday and on the 
and also on the other hand, how they even gonna even think about trying to reboot uh Boondocks like without grandpa? Like you, you can't do Fridays without Craig's dad, man. Like you, it's gonna be tough. It's, it's gonna be tough. And even if they can pull it off, which I am confident they could if they wanted to, um, it's still gonna tug at your heartstrings a little bit knowing that you know Pops isn't there anymore. But um that movie was great. Um, the beginning when Epps is talking about all he wants for Christmas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. And the uh, cops uh, coming in, taking the weed and he's saying, oh, that's messed up too. And it was uh, an amazing movie. I-, I liked it. Okay. Definitely one of my top fives. When you haven't seen it, shame on you. You should go watch it. All right. And finally, the number one movie on Ty Diggers list is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Now, I know Chevy Chase can be a bit of a jerk, but yo, during the 80s, I don't think he missed on a lot of things. I really don't think he missed on a lot of movies. Um, And National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was probably, to me, one one of the funnier movies. Um, And and here, Chevy Chase rant is, is poetry, actually. Like, he finally gets fed up and his character gets fed up and he lets go. Like, I feel like that's really him um, speaking. It's not even acting. That this is coming naturally uh, for him. Um, the squirrel episode, the squirrel part of the movie, um, when he finally runs back into his brother-in-law, uh, Eddie, and, 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 and that in itself, uh, Eddie in itself, uh, Randy Quaid is... He played that role. He, he definitely, uh, he definitely played that role. Probably one of my favorite characters um, in the entire um, franchise. Um, okay, so yeah, and oh, the funniest scene ever in that movie. The funniest scene was the um, the sledding, the bobsled scene, the uh, sledding scene when he um, used some type of industrial uh, adhesive to make his sled go a little faster and he realized he put too much on there. He zips down the mountain into traffic and all that. Like 14 year old me, when I first saw it, man, I cracked up. Like I laughed for, I missed like almost half the movie laughing about that scene so hard. Like we had to pause the movie because, you know, back then we wasn't going to the theater to watch it, renting it and bringing it home. Mom ain't paying all that money. But yeah, we had to actually pause the movie for a good 20 minutes just for me to finish laughing. Like, hilarious. Uh, It seemed like we finally come to the end of the show. And, you know, time flies when you're having fun. I want to thank all you guys for listening to me. And for those of you here in the Northeast where it's snowing or, you know, just stay safe out there, stay warm, and we'll talk to each other later. For the Ty Digger Show, this is Ty Digger signing out.